Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Friends, happy Saturday to you. It is the seventh day of November, which is the first Saturday after the election, and I hope that you are okay. And I know there are some of you who are not, and some of you who are ecstatic, and many of you, like me, who are neither of the above. I'm fine. I'm not ecstatic, and I'm not devastated. Um, I, I will say that uh, it's been a tough week for a lot of folks, and I know that. I, I went to bed at 9 o'clock on election night, good to go, and woke up the next day and just lived my life. I've watched fewer than five minutes of news coverage on the election since Wednesday morning, and I'm content. I'm spending a lot more time thinking about matters that are eternal rather than matters related to politics. And I do have somewhat of a bone to pick with some of my clergy clergyites who are just acting like spoiled children because they didn't get their way, or they're acting like spoiled children who did get their way and gloating. That's very unbecoming. In fact, it's very begoing to do that kind of thing. We don't need to be acting that way. So I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, you'll maybe take a quick check and a quick look in the mirror and say, "Let's, let's get on with it. We have bigger fish to fry and more important things to think about and talk about than than the results of this election. And, I, and I'm not saying that politics aren't important. They are. I care deeply about people and policy, and I've shared that with our congregation that I serve, but I'm not getting deep into the whole political weeds. I'm sorry. In fact, I'd rather talk about something that's going to be edifying, like prayer. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, when I left the church I served in Versailles, Kentucky, I was there for almost nine years, and I loved that church. And those were my people, and they were so good to me, and I did not want to go, and I cried like a baby when I left that church. But, you know, my life was changing, and they had different needs, and we had done some awesome, cool stuff, and it was time for someone to take them to the next level. And so I took off, and on my last day, they gave me a large wooden box that someone had carved. It was beautiful. Someone had built, and it had my name on the little plate. And inside that box were all these cards and letters. That was in 2003, and you're not going to believe this when I tell you I've never opened the box. All those cards and all those letters, they are still in that box unopened. That box is in plain sight. I look at it every single day. It's under our TV in our family room because it's such a pretty piece of wood. Never have looked at it. There's no telling what's in that box. My wife has said to me several times, I guarantee you're going to open that box and there are going to be all these checks in there for you that you never cashed and will never be able to cash. And that might be true. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I've never been able to bring myself to open it up. It's like a treasure chest that uh, has been unearthed but not unopened, or that remains unopened. And I I mention that because we're going to talk about prayer today, as I said earlier. And I think often we look at the gifts of God much like I look at that box. They are there, but we just, for whatever reason, haven't accessed them. And the truth is, I believe, I believe this is true, that God has more for us than we can ever conceive. God has greater blessing. He has a life of challenge, of joy, of peace, and fulfillment. And often we miss out on that because we don't know how to ask, or we forget to ask, or we feel self-sufficient, 
or we don't believe that asking will do any good whatsoever. The first followers of Jesus, they did not hesitate to ask. And that, that movement that we read about in the book of Acts that I'm talking about in my sermon series at CrestviewChurch.com, that movement was fueled by the Holy Spirit, but it was undergirded by prayer and completely covered in prayer. And it's important to understand, I think, that when we look at the prayers of those first Christians, we remember that their prayer life was literally shaped by what Jesus had taught them. I mean, they had worked with Him. They had walked with Him. They had been in His presence. And you'll remember at one point, His disciples were with Him, and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Great question. Friends, notice what they did not ask. They didn't ask, Lord, teach us how to perform a miracle. They didn't ask, Lord, teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to take these five loaves and two fish and feed an army of people. Teach us how, Lord, to turn water into wine, which if some of my friends were in that group of disciples, that would have been their question. Teach us how to turn water into wine. They're good at that already. No, they said, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they saw prayer as what connected Jesus' power um, to God. Prayer was His resource. It was His source. And it undergirded His lifestyle and His attitude, everything. All was undergirded by prayer. And so they said, teach us, Lord, how to pray. And so after He taught them the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave them a, a funny little parable. In fact, I want to read part of it to you. It's from uh, Acts, not Acts, Luke chapter 11. And so He gives them the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer. And then He says, Okay, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food. So you got a need. And suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. The door's already locked. Children in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And he goes on and says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, wow, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you what you need. And then he goes on, and I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Those action words, ask, seek, knock, and continue to do that. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean, which of your fathers, and notice Jesus' sense of humor here. I love it. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? They're like, no. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I mean, where did he come up with this stuff? I love it. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right, so I'm noticing right away the image of knocking, and it's, it's persistent. You know, if, if you're in your house and you hear one little knock on the door, and then there's nothing else, you're not going to tear out of your chair and get to the door right away. You're going to assume it's like the UPS guy dropping something off. But if you are in your home and you hear somebody just beating on the door urgently, aggressively, you're going to get up and run to the door, right? That's the image of knocking here. And then also notice what he's going to give to those who knock and who seek and who ask. He's going to give them the Holy Spirit. Not going to give them a bunch of stuff, a bunch of... No, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That's the image that Jesus gave the early church. And that became the foundation for their understanding about prayer. And so I want to transition now and look at a story from Acts chapter 12 related to the early church. And it begins with Peter in prison, and he's awaiting execution. And the church is praying for him. You know, Peter got into trouble a lot. And I mean, he gets arrested a lot. 
and he eventually does get executed. And so the church is praying for him, and we read, well, just read. Verse 5 of chapter 12, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So he's in prison, but the church is praying. Not and the church was praying, but they were praying. In other words, God had this covered. And the story goes on to say that he's in between two guards, and he's also chained. He's shackled. And so uh, they continue to pray for him. And then later, two verses later, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Have you ever noticed that when God shows up, there's light? In him there is no darkness at all. So God illumines the cell, struck Peter on the side. The word for struck is like he popped him a good one. He didn't just kind of give him a little tap. Struck him on the side, woke him up, said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. We read then that Peter and that angel... They get dressed, or Peter gets dressed. I'm assuming the angel was already dressed. Not sure what an angel wears. Peter got dressed. He put his sandals on, put on his cloak, followed the angel who led him by two guards, led him to the city gate, which opened for Peter, and then the angel left. Peter then realizes, I'm not having a dream here. I better go somewhere. So he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. And when he gets there, they are still praying for him. And they don't even believe it's really him. And then finally, uh, they let him in the house, and they're like, yes, look. Look at my hands. I mean, look at my feet. Look, look at me. Then he motioned for them to be quiet and described how God had led him out of prison. What an interesting story about prayer. And there's some things that you and I learned that are really important about it, and I want to get into it. The first thing we read is that prayer was their response to, I wrote the word fear. I'm going to expand that to need or to vulnerability. I mean, when they felt vulnerable, when they felt fearful, when they felt in need, what did they do? They didn't curl up in the fetal position and weep softly. (laughs) They prayed. And these were people who were vulnerable. They were living in a hostile environment because the very thing that God was calling them to be and to do was what put them at odds with the secular and religious authorities of their day. So, The Hebrews in in Jerusalem, they were mad at him. They didn't like him. And the Roman authorities, they didn't like him either. And so they were vulnerable people. And it prompts me, so let's just pull back. What are your vulnerabilities these days? What are your needs these days? What are your fears these days? Some of us might have financial fears or relational fears, health vulnerabilities. We're We're worried about our children or our parents or both. We're vulnerable to temptation, all these kinds of things. It's important to understand, where am I vulnerable right now? And then ask, what's my immediate response to my vulnerabilities? How am I dealing with that? I was visiting some friends of ours from the church I serve, Gary and Leedy, wonderful people. And as I was preparing to leave, they asked me, hey, what can we pray for in your life? Great question. If you ever are with someone and you don't know how to say goodbye, how can I pray for you? A little free advice there. And my immediate response was to go to my vulnerabilities. (laughs) That was important to to understand that. And so I started thinking about worst-case scenarios with my son and his, his health issues, or him moving out of the house finally in his own place, or the church that I serve in a season of a pandemic. Those are some vulnerabilities. What I've done over the years is I've journaled my fears. I've just taken them to God by journaling. And I know I harp on journaling, but I think it's so 
wonderful to, to spend time in prayer and journaling. And so that helped me get a grip on, or has helped me get a grip on where are my vulnerabilities. That's what they did with God. They, they took their vulnerabilities to Him. You know, I've got this big, fat, red book in my office called Daily Prayer. And it's, it's a Presbyterian book. And many of the prayers in the book are psalms. And in the book, there is morning prayer and there is evening prayer. And y'all, there is a difference between morning prayer and evening prayer. Morning prayer tends to be uh, active. It's, it's outwardly focused. It's, it's bold. In fact, let me give you an example of morning prayer. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to go to Psalms. I'll go to chapter 5 and read verses 3 and 4. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. In the morning, I lay my request before you. That's morning prayer. And then there's also evening prayer that is found in the book of Psalms. Chapter 4, verse 8. In peace I lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And so it's easier to rest when we're at peace. We take our fears and our anxieties and our worries to God. You know, God has always taught His people there is morning prayer and there is evening prayer. What we see here is both morning prayer and evening prayer. They are praying for God to intercede and they are also taking their vulnerabilities to God. And we learned that they knew more about prayer because they had been right there in the presence of Jesus and Peter and the other guys had taught them how to do it. And that's what they did. Another thing I noticed is that they prayed with God. Uh, if, if, if you were with me in the podcast last week or watched the worship service, um, worship service, easy for me to say, they prayed God's word back to God. They prayed in God's will and for God's will. And so when you and I pray the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus taught, He said, pray God your will be done. And when we pray for God's will be done, we're asking to know God's will, to cooperate with God's will, and to advance God's will. They knew that God's desire was for the gospel to be advanced. The church knew this, and they prayed earnestly for Peter. I mean, at the time they're praying for him, if you read the text, they don't even know if he's dead or alive. But they continued to pray for him because they remembered Jesus had said, hey, I'm going to build a church, and Peter, uh, this is kind of the rock right here. You're the rock. You're not Simon, you're Peter now. Petros, you're the rock. And Anya, I'm going to build the church. That was God's will. That was God's purpose. That was God's plan. And so this was like morning prayer. God, we want to cooperate with your will. And it, it prompts me again, as I think about my own prayer life, to ask, what are the things I'm praying for? What are the subjects of my prayers? Am I praying for God's Holy Spirit or am I just praying for stuff? Am I praying for things that are in His purpose and in His plan so that I can know it and help it? advance it, or am I praying for something entirely different? Last Sunday, my wife and I, it's a dumb example, but it's fun. Last Sunday, my wife and I went to lunch. Culver's, if you have a Culver's where you live, you'll know that it's pretty good. So we have a brand new Culver's. In fact, the dining room isn't even open yet. And we went to the drive-thru at Culver's, and I ordered, for two of us, we split, buffalo chicken tenders, fried onion rings, Chicken tenders were fried as well. Fried cheese curds and a chocolate milkshake. That is the lunch of champions. Preach a, preach a sermon, go have that lunch. And so we took the food home. 
sat down at our table, the two of us, held hands, and I prayed, Dear Lord, nourish our bodies with this food. <laughs> and after I prayed it, we both started laughing. And I, I wondered if God was in heaven saying, How am I going to do that? <laughs> you got to work with me here a little bit, Sean. No, when we pray, we're praying in and for God's will. Prayer is given as a means for our work in advancing God's work. He opened the doors and removed the chains because that's what he willed for Peter because Peter was going to be that rock. And then we'll learn one more thing about prayer. So we pray our vulnerabilities to God. We pray to cooperate and know God with and know God's will. We also pray persistently. What I notice in Acts chapter 12. So Peter goes, it's, well, just let me read it to you. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. When this had dawned on Peter, I'm free. I'm, I'm good. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called, called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Were praying. It doesn't read that they had prayed or that they were going to pray. It reads they were still praying. Like the neighbor in Luke 11, they kept on knocking. They kept on asking. They kept on seeking. My guess is that they remembered Jesus' story of that neighbor and said, let's keep praying. They probably remembered, or even said to one another, remember Jesus said, because of your audacity and your persistence, not because of your friendship, that's why the door was opened. And so that's what they did. I got a friend of ours in our church. I love talking about our church. Her name's Dolores. And she is a saint, I think. I love her. And she has what she calls a prayer bag. And she just writes people's names on pieces of paper and puts it into her prayer bag. And every day she just empties the prayer bag and prays for every single person. That is persistence over and over again. You see, God wants to hear from you and me. I mean, and, and God honors those prayers. You know, you, you think about Jesus when he first entered his public ministry. He prayed for 40 days. You talk about persistent. Why would Jesus have to pray for 40 days? He was God in human flesh. He did that to stay connected with the Father and invite that communion. And over and over again, that's what He would do. And what we see in the book of Acts, if we want to sneak a peek into chapter 13, is that after the church had prayed, they then commissioned Paul and Barnabas to begin their mission work. And lordy, lordy, we know what happened when Paul and Barnabas were released on the world. It's time to pray, isn't it? I hope that uh, you have a terrific week. This has been kind of free-flowing. I don't know what's going on with me today, but I'm glad that uh, you gave me 18 minutes and 55 seconds of your, your day, and I look forward to next Sunday. And until then, next Sunday, next Saturday, or whenever it is, and until then, you take good care. Bye for now.